0: If you have a Bible, I'd love for you guys to go to the second letter of the book of Timothy. Second letter of the book of Timothy. That's where we're going for the next few minutes. And I'd love for you guys to just join me there for a second. So I'm, I'm walking through the airport this week. And there's a point at the airport where the hallway uh, becomes or gets into a semicircle. Typically at airports, airports you can see at a distance when it's straight. You can see people. You can see the gates and the numbers. Well, this, this part of the airport, for whatever reason, it goes into a semi-circle, which implies that your vision is limited, which, how much you can see further. So I'm walking, and as I curve into the semi-circle, there is a lady that is coming um, in front of me, and we cross each other which I saw her. I didn't pay attention. I just saw the lady. There wasn't a whole lot of people in that area of the airport. And then right behind the lady, in the semicircle, circle here it comes, right behind the lady, about a two-year-old just running full speed and saying, mama, mama, mama. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, that's obviously, I mean, it looks like it's following mom, so I continue, I continue walking, and again, this is kind of a, a long curve. So eventually, I lost sight of what I thought was the mother and the little two-year-old that looked to me like a terrible twos type of, you know, little dude. But anyway, so I lost track of them, and then as I come into again, just following the curve, here it comes, the actual mama running full speed chasing the kid. And I'm like, no, that wasn't the mama. That's the mama. Right there. And she, I mean, she's screaming the name. And, and, and then when, when I saw the lady, then I pulled to the side because she was coming full speed. And then not only I pulled, but I looked like just down the hall. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, um, we live in a time and age that most of us as Christians tragically. The longer that we are Christians, the more that we God. When in reality, from day one, God is the one being chasing us. Amen. From the beginning, before the foundations of the world, before everything began, before life was conceived, before anything. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, in the, in the beginning was, it was the God of the Bible, the God of mercy, the God that we just sang to. But again, you know, this mercy, this love, this, this generosity, this giftedness of God always introduces, um, again, our confusion, our <laughs> intentionality. Because again, I look at this little boy. It was not accidental. That brother had a, was on a mission. I'm telling you, he was on a mission. He was running as fast as he could away from mama. Why? I have no idea. But I think that's exactly where we are today. That's exactly how the conversation begins. You and I, how we began this whole entire deal was because we were running away from God. I will even argue this, and this is what I'm going to build my case this morning based on what Paul has said. My argument is that the closer that you get to the Lord, the more that you realize how our nature and our tendency is to run away from Him. And I'm saying that because, again, the more that you recognize how intentional, how defiant we have been. By, it's not just what we did. It's who we were or who we are. Um, the more that we grow into compassion of those who are still running away from God, number one, and number two, this is what I, I want you to hear me for, for just, just, just closely on this. There is no way a single soul over the face of human history that can potentially run towards God unless they are regenerated, transformed, made new in Jesus Christ. And I'm saying that because, once again, I think for us as a generation, the number one issue I don't think is atheism. I don't think it's the brokenness and the craziness of our culture. I think the number one challenge, based on what I see in the Bible, because it was a challenge two thousand years ago, it was a challenge in the Old Testament It's people who believed that they are running towards God, that they are literally putting God on their dead because of X, y, and Z, because of the things that I don 't do because of the tattoos that I don 't have, because of my you know pilgrimage, When in reality all of us we have literally Fall short of the glory of God. I, I know you didn't want to begin the message with negativity, negativity, and I know that sounds a little pessimistic, but here is the beauty of the deal. The beauty of the story is that the mama found the kid. Now, I'll be honest with you, just to give you the full story, I kept on walking to my gate and the kid passed me again. So eventually mama lost the kid, and guess what? There is mama screaming the name right there. Now, this time there was a lot of people, so it was I was a little, uh, but isn't that your story, my story? Come on. That's exactly why we're here because we are fugitives. We, we not only ran away from God, watch this, we enjoyed it. Oh, come on. It, you know, it's not like we were just, ah, I got to sin. Ah, I got I to gotta feed the flesh. No, no, no. It was intentional because we we're the sons and daughters of the first Adam. And you and I know Adam at the beginning of the story, Eve. That, that wasn't accidental. That was not, it was on purpose. It was intentional. So, so hopefully what we do this morning, we look at the intentionality not only of the God of the Bible who has come and dwell among us. We just saying about it. He comes and dwells among us. But now he has given us the ability to really understand and fully comprehend where this is going. Now, now, now guys, this is important for me because, well, multiple reasons. But one of them is because I, I, I found this, this slide uh, this week um, on social media, and this is a quote from R.C. Pearl. Um, what he says, to despise doctrine is to despise the Word of God. So, so again, just listen to my heart for a quick second, okay? Just I have a few minutes to speak, and I want to say this to you. I think one of the most dangerous things that we see today is to think that when it comes to the Word of God, or in this case, doctrine, they are synonyms, right? Uh, doctrine. Is, is typically perceived as um, outdated. It's perceived as, um, I don't know, perceived in a sense of irrelevant. So, so we have a generation of Christians that they do not oppose the Bible. It's just not the thing. I don't know if that makes sense. So tragically, a lot of Christians, a lot of preaching is about give me the practical thing. What are we called to do? I'm all for, you know, following Jesus, loving Jesus. I don't want to run from Jesus. I got a son that is running away from Jesus. You know, my ex is doing, well, I, I, I get it. But again, you know, this is the foundation. This is, this is the understanding that, that this change of behavior, this change of behavior is grounded on something or someone else besides the person with the issue. So in this case, it begins with this understanding of doctrine, uh, which is the word of God. And, and, and again, I, again, I, I'm, if you're like me, I, I think and I believe that we all believe in the word of God. And no one else is responsible for this besides the preacher or the teacher, but the church. The church is responsible that when the Bible is presented that we're not processing getting someone else's Thoughts, ideas, experiences, testimony of what happened to me. I'm all for your testimony. I want to hear what God did in your life, but that is not the gospel. The gospel is literally the word that God literally. Second Timothy, we're gonna find that the second Timothy, we're gonna find that the issue, one of the main issues. There are two issues primarily, and they're here um, on the screen. That Paul is writing to this. In, in other words, Timothy. Paul is writing to this. In, in other words, Timothy. See, the God of the Bible is the one that was chasing you. See, the God of the Bible is the one that was chasing you, and he came and wrapped you. He came and got a hold of you, Timothy, you know, transformed you. And, and, and Timothy, that happened not because you were running towards God. What happened, Timothy? That happened because God came in, literally took you. And, and when that happened, you, do, you did not get to choose, Timothy. This is Paul. You didn't get to choose when and how you were going to be saved which is your story my story we don't get to choose how and what salvation is and how that takes place but Timothy you you don't get to choose neither the purpose of your salvation so the god who initiates salvation is the god who also determines the reason why you are saved and apparently Timothy is going to have to deal with a bunch of people, a generation, men and women, in a very confused society 2,000 years ago that they thought that their salvation was because like the little boy, I thought he was running towards mom. And a lot of these people, they thought because of the religious practices, Jewishness, and Greek philosophy, and and, and all these backgrounds and personal preferences, they thought that they were putting God on their dead because I'm the son and daughter of so and so. Well, Timothy has to deal with that. Now, what happens when we do that, Which is, that, that's what is false doctrine. See, false doctrine is to think and believe that when it comes to your marriage, your finances, look at me, because Memorial Day tomorrow, look at me for a second. When it comes to the United States of America, the United States of America is not running towards God. We're running away from God. And we have no remorse. And I love this nation. If we pray for this nation. But the foundation of this nation has to be the word of God that tells me that we are not chasing God. Anybody tracking what I'm saying? We are not tracking the Lord. Your kids and my grandkids and your ex and your mama and your grandmama, they are not, we are not, as a church, we are not chasing the Lord. It's the Lord that has always been chasing us. And therefore, this is, this is, where, we, this is where we come back to this understanding that in this case for Timothy is that once you are confused, conveniently confused. Once you say, I'm walking, this, the first lady shows up, and then I see the kid running towards the mama, what I thought was the mama. Then I said, everything is fine. No, everything wasn't fine because the real mama was coming behind, chasing. And by the time the the, the real mama and I kind of a cross path, the kid was long gone. What am I saying? All that I'm saying is that things are not right. And and so when the church has false teaching, that type of confusion, what creates? It creates a non-biblical structure, system which is the incarnation, is the expression, is the crystallization of what we believe. Anybody track what I'm saying? So eventually the way that you do life at home, mom, daddy, you know, kids, grandkids, is the result of what you actually believe. Lie to ourselves thinking that as long as I have received Jesus... I'm going through a season of drought and, and maybe emptiness. And I'm going through whatever I'm going through. But, but in reality, I did make a profession of faith. I am, no one to, I am no one to judge anyone's professions of faith. But, once again, Timothy, not only God was the one chasing you, so he got a hold of you and took you from darkness into light. Timothy, God took you from deafness into, into brand new experience. But also the God of the Bible determines the why. And the why is that this needs to become a one single experience. So the question is, Timothy, how are you going to navigate this? What are you going to do about it? Well, this is where Paul comes into the picture and says, this is verse 15, chapter 3. He says, and that from uh, childhood, because again, Timothy is phasing. I don't have the time to read, but if you were to read the first, the first 14 verses of chapter 3, they're not very helpful. They're, they're not very helpful. They're in a sense that they're very They're very difficult to read. Paul is reminding Timothy that what you're going to find in the church is people, lovers of themselves, is people who are evildoers, and they find pleasure. This is within the life of the church. You're going to find all this craziness within the life of the church, and Paul is giving the admonition... Reminding Timothy that you began the conversation not with you. It began the conversation with this forensic agent, this forensic experience, somebody else, someone else's opinion and worldview, which is the Scriptures. And then he says, that is you from childhood, you have known the sacred writings. So again, I, I, I'm again. I'm just I'm just processing my experience in the airport. I'm, I'm I'm processing what Timothy has to face, and and all that I want to say to you today is that apparently this experience of the sacred writings. I'm gonna say that again. Sacred writings. We have never been chasing the scriptures. And I I don't want to take anything away from you coming from Sunday school, going into Sunday school, you know, maybe seminary degrees, whatever you might find yourself. But the Bible says that we were born, we were enemies of God. The implication is that apparently what the Bible is going to do, the sacred scriptures, doctrine is going to do, is going to make this experience, please listen to me, it's going to make the experience of the Bible holistic. The Bible, Paul doesn't say to Timothy that once you went to church... Once you stop doing X, Y, and Z, the Bible says that apparently at home, in the understanding of life as a whole, that's where this became, became real. And the implication, watch this, watch this. Again, this is you, Timothy. This is the forensic agent. This is you, Timothy. This is what explains that you are not chasing God. God has been chasing you. Which? Are able. This is what the Bible. This is what the writings. This is what doctrine does. It gives you. It gives you the wisdom that leads to to salvation. Once you encounter doctrine, once you encounter the Bible, not only that you're gonna be able to be saved. Okay, you're gonna be saved. So, so <laughs> this understanding of the Bible. Finding, encountering, doctrine. I, I, I just don't know how to explain this, to be honest with you, but, but here's my tendency. This is my tendency. My tendency is to read this, to imagine the brokenness. How do I control this two year old? Because as a mother, I don't want to be chasing this kid in every single airport. Does that make sense? I struggle with this. I do depression. You know, I struggle with illness. I struggle with mental illness. I struggle. In other words, all that I'm trying to tell you is that the experience of the Bible is new. Why? This is why. Because you and I were the little kid that we're not running towards God. Where is it that we were? Running from God. Does that make sense? So enemies of God, the Bible tells us that Jesus shows up and takes our blame, takes our responsibility in a sense of the running away. And then literally this is where the Bible teaches us that it is the God of the Bible that turns his back on the son and the one who knew no sin for our sake became sin. So I'm, I'm saying all this because again, Paul is not giving Timothy a formula on how to navigate a crisis, how to navigate confusion, how to get deeper in the Bible. Tracking with me? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, Timothy, here's what's happening. From childhood, I know it's been a long time since you were a child. I know they gave you, which your childhood, Timothy, watch this, your childhood, maybe your adolescence, maybe your single life, maybe... So if you're going to help the church, if you're going to navigate this church, and you're going to be able to experience the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God is not so you can learn how to deal with a truth. Two- the wisdom of life is not so you can remain faithful. The wisdom of God is simply the vehicle to lead you to salvation. And again... The confusion that we have today, because I think we have despised doctrine, is that this is a very offensive word because, number one, if I'm the one chasing God, what do I need to be saved from? Because I'm good. Are you good? Salvation is first and foremost from, not from hell, not from self, but from God, from the righteousness, from the holiness of the God Bible. So in this case, it says, hey, salvation, which in this case, once again, Paul is not leaving any room. He's not missing the mark on on explaining what salvation is and how it happens and the purpose of salvation. What's the purpose? The purpose is literally that this salvation takes place, the faith that mama and grandmama gave you. Now, I'm glad that we are the result of this individual's previous pastors and exalt. Or is the vehicle towards the wisdom that leads to salvation only comes from the Say it from the sacred writings. And again, Paul is speaking to a young pastor who grew up in church. He is speaking to a church that they are in church. You and I, we're going to idolize this right here. And this is what we have today. What we have today, just look at Facebook. We have a bunch of people idolizing their own, their own faith. Like like. like me having the ability to trust, to believe, is an indictment that God owes me. That nothing should happen to me because I'm a person of faith. No. No, no, no. That faith is the faith of somebody else in your life. That's what it implies. This faith is not that you are able to finish the race well. This faith, faith is, the, is, the, is the ability of Jesus finishing the race well. And that tenacity and that... Um, Uh, perseverance has been given to you so the bottom line if you want to take notes it's up to you but this is what i'm trying to tell you that salvation comes exclusively from the scriptures salvation doesn't come from experience salvation doesn't come from simply understanding hidden rock bottom and then coming to your senses salvation does not come from preaching it comes from the scriptures now unless the scriptures have been preached then Does that make sense? Thought that were, you know, their practices. So part of the salvation experience, this is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is that salvation comes exclusively thoughts of the Bible, ideas of the Bible, feelings of the Bible, perceived things of the Bible are being preached. You have to make sure that the Bible is being preached. I don't know if that makes sense. It's someone who hungers, not the thoughts, but the Bible. Does that make sense? That your soul is not going to be settled by simply someone else telling you how to deal with a two-year-old. And again, I'm all for dealing with, you know, COVID and, and reopening the church and, and restoring the economy. None of those things are wrong. But I'm going to say this again. And again, I don't have time to read it. But if you could just go back. Paul gives this warning to Timothy in the previous verses and says, if anyone wants To live a godly. That graduation from seminary, is that how this whole thing... I mean, we're just getting married and you're telling me this whole day? This is a brother. This is Paul speaking. These letters, which are the pastoral letters, are chronologically, they're written at the end of his journey. So this is after multiple incarcerations, beatings. uh, I mean, you name it. I mean, this brother went through a lot. Does that make sense? Look at me for a second. Historically, it's been said that this brother by the name of Timothy... Is going to be stoned to death by the people that he's trying to that he's dealing with. These false teachers, stoned to death. They're gonna kill him. All that I'm trying to tell you guys is not only the Bible is the source of salvation, but you are saved for the Scriptures. That's all that I'm trying to tell you. What am I saying? Just, just again, this may be a little confusing, but this is all that I'm trying to tell you. I don't think you can be saved by the Old Testament. I think you can be saved by the New Testament in a sense of the fulfillment. So I'm not saying that the Old Testament is not the Bible. All that I'm saying is that the Old Testament is just pointing towards your diagnosis, that you are not the little boy chasing God. God has been chasing you. But for me to turn around like the little boy, which mama tried to, for the boy to turn around and come to mama, that, that's salvation. That's the regeneration. Once you are saved then you are saved for the Old Testament. You are saved to obey. I don't know if I'm making sense on that regard. In other words, you don't, get to, you don't get to define how you are saved, and you don't get to define, I don't get to define why I'm saved. As long as we continue this nonsensical perpetuation of autonomy that nobody tells me what to do, and the church that I attend is the one that agrees with my views, Right? If it just agrees with my theology, my doctrine, my personal preferences, you will continue, I will continue to be a part of this generation of men and women in the name of Jesus, thinking that I get to determine why I'm saved. And then here's the, here's the killer here's the killer. Then I dictate why I'm saved. It's not working, folks. It's not, that's what I said earlier, we're in deep trouble. So what do we do? This is what we do. What we understand is salvation, we have to be very upfront. Salvation, three things. Number one is the welcoming of a person. Salvation has nothing to do with you. So again, salvation is the understanding that I brought absolute... Well, let me rephrase that. Yeah, we brought sin. That's all that I brought to salvation. I, I, I contribute absolutely nothing except sin. So that implies that what I welcome is not simply, it's not simply theology, doctrine. It's not simply, you know, uh, I, I'm not... Salvation is not simply, you know, um, just repeating what I've been taught since childhood. The, the question is, have you welcomed a person... If you have, the implication is now through this person that has come into your life. See, okay, listen to this. Once you welcome this person without, without giving, still given the evidences of salvation, the result, there is no change. You may still be running away from God. You may still feel com- confused. But you have the ability given by this person, his name is Jesus, to believe what this person said about himself. So I'm going to say this again. We are a generation that we have idolized our faith so much at the expense of the faith of Jesus that we are more concerned with sermons. We, we want sermons, and today, I mean, tomorrow, today, we want for God to speak to our nation. To, what does God have to say to our nation? And I'm not against. God is speaking to our nation. God is speaking to your marriage. I'm not, well, the whole conversation begins on what God said about himself. What did God say about Jesus. And here's the question. Do you believe it? That, that's the question. And, and I want you to believe about yourself. I want you to believe in your marriage and your values. I want you to believe in this nation. But that's not, the, that's not the bottom line. The bottom line is if we have the ability to believe what Jesus said about himself. What does that mean? Here's the practicality. It implies that through this process... Of sanctification, you will be able to embrace to gradually grow into Christ's likeness, and you embrace. See, the, the word worldview is simply that's the way we make decisions. That's the process how you make decisions in life. And by the way, no decision is decision, right? No deci- decisions are unavoidable. The question is, are we making the decisions through the person? Through the truths that he made. This is my plea. This is my prayer. This is what I hope that we do as a church moving forward. Please, please, please come back to the preaching. Speaking to the church. Because the church did not oppose salvation. The church had their own version of salvation. This beautiful nation. Well, the preaching of the apostles. What it means is simply the sermons of the early church. So about three years ago. I would say in the book of Acts. That's my invitation. Come back to the rudiments of the faith. Why? Because the sermons of the apostle is basically this: given to churches who were confused, given to churches that they thought that they were the ones chasing God. And I'm going to say this again: You, we are not chasing God. We are not. He is the one chasing us. What does that imply? It implies that this is the Sermon of the Apostles, that we are justified, we are made righteous. If you're taking notes, this is is more than simply being forgiven or innocent. Innocent people do not go to heaven. In other words, it's not enough for you to confess your sin, give it to Jesus. Jesus therefore Jesus dies on Friday, shed his blood, his body is going to be mutilated and eventually forsaken me. Eventually Jesus is going to literally and die. That's not enough. That is not enough. The death of Jesus is not enough. You need the life of Jesus. As much as you need the death of Jesus, you need the life of Jesus. Because justification implies that the forensic, someone else's lifestyle, someone else's theology, someone else's doctrine, someone else's experience, someone else's needs to be given, imputed, um, uh, uh, accredited to you. How do I know this? Have you read Genesis 15? But the Bible says that Abraham, say it, Abraham believed and it was accredited to him as. The Bible doesn't say that Abraham believed and Sarah, Sarah was transformed where she was able to conceive. There were 25 years between the, the, the righteousness of God imputed to Abraham to the moment that Sarah is going to conceive the child of the promise. Many of us, most of us, because our mindset is that we are chasing God, we think that prayer, accepting Jesus, calling on Jesus is a magical thing that I know I'm barren, I know financially we're barren, I know emotionally we're barren, just like Sarah, she was barren. And we think that if we do X, Y, and Z, I put God on my dead, he needs to de- deal with my barrenness. No. No, 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 no. Justification implies that Jesus took our place, and this is why I put the weekend, because on the weekend is the combination of Friday and Sunday. It is the resurrection of Jesus that the same manner that I put, that I gave, that I accredited my sin to Jesus on Sunday, Jesus accredited, gave me his righteousness. And then what happens? This is the preaching of the apostles. That this is the, this is the beginning. This is not the end. Now we move into the process of becoming Walking in Christ's likeness. So so let me explain to you this very quickly. I'm fixing to to, to close in prayer. This is what will position position you in Jesus. You, You are positioned. You are fully saved. You may have not given any evidences, results of your salvation. You may not feel saved. But this implies that you are fully saved. Just listen to me for a second. When this little boy in the airport was running away from mom, that did not imply that the boy stopped being the son of this lady. Just because you're running, just because you're, you know, rebelling, just because you don't feel the Lord, just because you are in a drought season, just because you may be confused, does not change who you are in Jesus. Why? Because I said it again. I said it a while ago. Because this experience of your security of salvation is based on someone else's experience. I don't know if that's clear, Said, experienced, lived through uh, the obedience of Jesus, the life of Jesus. The, the problem with our churches, the problem with you and I, positions you as a follower of Jesus. 24 years ago, this July, Adelie and I walked through a, an aisle of our elders. Sarai is 23 today. Because Sarai is the result that from that official legal bonding of signing a, a, a marriage license and coming before the church. And, and acknowledging that we were making a covenant, look at me. Sarai became the result of that covenant. Sarai became, and Josué and Rebecca became. They the, the, the put it into practice. What took place? So, so here's I'm trying to tell, tell you, folks. Salvation is the result of a legal binding. That see, even if even if kids, our kids did not did not change our status. Does that make sense? But they're the result of the status. So so when it comes to your life, you may be in a time where, again, where you, where you feel that you're chasing God, and then God is playing with you, and he hides in the airport, and then suddenly you may feel that spiritually you got on the wrong plane, or maybe you feel spiritually that there is no signage. In the, can you imagine an airport without signage? Mercy. You may feel like that spiritually. That does not change who you are in Christ. Church, does that make sense? I'm inviting you to look at this because this is your position. This right here is your possession. So for the last 24 years, Areli and I, we we have grown, we have walked to walk in oneness. So we took the position and we gradually started possessing each other. We we started growing into this. And three kids came out out of that experience. But everything else, our souls, our minds, our, our bodies, everything else starts coming. So translate that into what Jesus is doing in your life. From your position, now you start understanding that the 33 years of life of Jesus Christ is how you continue to be saved. Folks... Here's my invitation. My invitation is that today, if you have experienced Jesus, you have the ability to say all, all Scripture. The entire Bible is inspired. Because not only that's where salvation comes from, but that's the reason you were saying. This is what he's not saying. That the Bible is true, Timothy, because you believe it the bible sickness, your eagerness or maybe your apathy maybe you see i say that again the, the beauty of salvation is that the bi- inspiration of the bible is done mystery through 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 through, through the providence of god he chose a specific people in a specific scenarios with a specific purposes to reveal the need for salvation and this Bible, this is what this, I mean, again, Paul saying, hey, man, it's not enough for you to, has aff- an object, the validity of the Bible, we don't worship the Bible, we worship the God, who is why I told you a while ago, salvation is not about you believing about Jesus. That's, that's the result. Salvation is about believing what Jesus believed about himself. That's a, So So, in this case, the inspiration of the Bible is based on the character of the person of God, which again... This is the beauty of God, that not only that He gave you what you and I did not know that we needed, which is the Scriptures, but He also determined the reason. What's the reason? The reason is for a generation. This is the antidote of pridefulness. This is the antidote. I know you're here, and I'm glad you came. Thank you for connecting. That's a blessing. But you being here, you coming before the presence of God, is because not only God has chosen, God has given, God has revealed... But now he determines the purpose. It's for us to be teachable. It's for us that this teachability, the more we affirm the inspiration of the Bible, the more that we recognize that we need. Now, pl- please listen, listen, because I just gave you, you know, 23 years Sarai today, 21 Rebecca, 19 Josue years of age, Bible for restoration. Tracking with me? And I'm saying this because, again, we, we are such a generation that we're so feeling driven. We're so driven by autonomy that this is such a negative word. Apparently, the more teachable you are, the more rebuking you're going to understand that you need. gonna say that again. The more teachable you are, the more that you're going to need this. I'm going to need this. This, this understanding of, 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 of rebuke in my life. Because I need a correction. And then the training. And the training is not for a better version of ourselves. But the training is so we can exercise what we said a while ago. What we exercise the 33 years of Jesus. That's exactly what you say. Uh, I read to you. is verse 17. So that the man or woman of God. I'm going to say it again. The man or woman, this is a key word, of God, so you are not your own, may be fully capable. So God, the equipment, which is what we just read, you know, He has made us teachable as a church. This needs to be normative, just like at home, right? I mean, a, a home without rebuking, is not home. It, 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 I mean, come on. Does that make sense? So I don't have to get vaccinated. I get to be vaccinated because I need the help. I need to so, so translate that into your walk with Christ, okay? So the correction, the training, all of that, folks, is so we can be fully capable. So apparently, a generation of men and women that are not fully capable is a generation that has no teaching, that has no rebuking, that has... Now here's the practicality. Here's the result of theology. Theology always presents, always creates, always is introduced on the change of the circumstances, on the expression of this good work. And I'm going to say this again. The good work that the Bible is presenting. The good work that the Bible is presenting is the 33 years of Jesus. So as a church, if our thinking, our decision making, our feelings, our speaking, Our relationships are not reflecting the 33 years of Jesus on earth. We got a problem. We got a serious problem. Because it's not that we're not saved. It's that we continue to perpetuate this mindset that we think that we know why are we saved for. And I'm going to say this one more time. Jesus not only provided, created is the source of salvation, but Jesus has determined the reason why you are saved. There is a reason why he needed to walk on this earth for 33 years. There's a reason, and the reason is because he has closed, he has dissipated, he merged, he, he brought together not only salvation, but also the reason for salvation as a generation, as a family, as, a young, as young people, older people. We need to remind ourselves that the God who saved us is also the God who determined why we are saved.